Welcome to episode 86 of From the Shed Ends with myself, T. Dalt. For you, how you doing? Not bad, thanks. Glad it's Friday. Um, but just finished um, finished up my lunch and I dropped three eggs in the kitchen floor. And if anyone's ever cooked and dropped eggs on a kitchen floor, you know how messy it is to clean <laughs> afterwards. So it's kind of um, a bit of a spanner in the works of my Friday. But otherwise, I'm good. Champions League draw could have been better, could have been worse, if I'm honest. Um, mm. But we'll take it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good like you. Friday, sunshine and start of a weekend again. Um, I don't know what it's like there. You didn't look very happy to see the sun shining, but <laughs> it's proper sunny. It's like it's almost like a summer's day here. Like It's proper sunny and still cold, but, you know, I'll take the sun at the moment. But no, apart from that, I'm good. Um, you know, looking forward to a big game. Got international break coming up, which I'm not too happy about you know the i don't really like international football but we'll get onto all of that before we get out of this episode if you're new to the channel please go and subscribe to it make sure you give this channel and the video a thumbs up and also hit the link tree link in the description that will take you to all our podcast episodes our social accounts as well we're doing quite well on the social front but in terms of algorithm in terms of subscribers we need to get that up i think we're on 300 and something at the moment so please make sure you can subscribe to the channel but let's go straight into it let's like I said before we started recording, a lot has happened this week, so I'm giving you the light. The moment is yours to talk about Leicester. I really can't remember the game, if I'm honest. It was, um, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. But what was your thoughts about Leicester? I mean, we had to, we spoke about it in the preview um, on the last episode. It was a, not a must win, but we wanted to see more consistency from the team, and we did get that. But um, what was your thoughts on on Leicester? Yeah, like you said, it was a good just over six or seven days ago now. So I'm going to try to remember how the game went, but it was a solid win. I mean, three wins in a row now. Uh, first time we've scored three goals um, since October, if I'm not mistaken. And our first away win in all competitions since October again. So on paper, it seems like we've definitely picked up some momentum and uh, the scoreline, I think, was was good. And I think we were the better team over the 90 minutes for sure. We started off well. I think we had the better chances in those opening couple minutes. And, and then Ben Chilwell, it had to be Ben Chilwell you know, um, brilliant goal. And we know that this formation that we play with really kind of allows Ben Chilwell to venture up the pitch and offer his support to the more offensive players and love the celebrations as well. He was getting abuse and booze for, uh, throughout the game. So I think it was about time he shut up the Leicester fans, especially after scoring that disallowed one in the FA Cup um, back in 2021. Um, again, though, I think there's still some si- similar problems that were not clinical enough. I'm looking at that Felix chance that he had um, when he hit the the post, a lot of times players were offside. I think it was Havertz, Mudrik, um, who, who, um, and uh, Felix as well at one point. They all scored, but offside. Um, shame that we had to concede a goal uh, before the halftime, but great mm. response um, from um, from Enzo and Havertz. I think that was the moment of the game, really, that Enzo ball that just floated over the Leicester defence and found Havertz and even Havertz I felt he was shocked he almost felt like that was too easy for him to score that goal and he didn't really know if he should celebrate or not thinking that maybe VAR would intervene once again but yeah that Enzo ball was fantastic it really was it was like something maybe a Tony Cruz or Cesc Fabregas would do so I think he's really growing and becoming a really fantastic player and we're quickly forgetting about that hefty price tag we paid for him given how good he's been in his performances lately um, second half we responded really well I felt um, I think first minute of the second half um, Fofana scored that um, I mean Fofana had that chance to from uh, similar to the one he had as he scored against Leeds it was a header from a corner and I think um, Danny, um, Danny Ward uh, uh, did a 
produced a decent save, but it would have been almost too good to be true had Ben Chilwell and Wesley Fofana scored against their former club. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Kovic got his goal as the captain and Madrid got his assist. So all in all, it was a decent day. Um, one thing I'd like to point out is I thought the ref was poor. Really, really poor. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. I think we were destroying the ref on WhatsApp. Um, Ricardo Pereira, red card for me. Red card all day. Mm. Yeah. Um, studs really high up um, Jao Felix ankle that's a potential leg breaker and we saw Casemiro produce a similar tackle against Southampton and yeah. get sent off so where's the consistency there's none and then uh, I think it was our, our good friend who I think is a massive prick um, Amate um, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be polite <laughs> and he just literally puts his studs up on Havertz's chest and again escapes without a booking VAR doesn't yep. even look at it, so no consistency once again. But Leicester got a second yellow for um, Wesley Fass in the in the second half. But I feel the game was over by then for them. But yeah, they could have easily finished the game with eight men uh, at the end of it. But yeah, like I said, three wins in a row, three points. That's what matters. Three goals as well. And I really hope now we can carry mm. this momentum into the Everton game tomorrow, but also beyond the international break when uh, I think it's um, our first game after that is Aston Villa on the first of April. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. You know, I think, I think it was a good time to play Leicester. I mean, they've they've, they've obviously found a bit of form themselves, but they didn't start the season as well as they would have liked to have done. Um, but I was impressed. You know, I was impressed with the lineup. I thought it was um, it was good to see the, the the same sort of lineup that we had. Obviously, Reece James was out because of injury, and Chil- uh, not Chilwell, uh, Loftus Cheek came in and filled that void. Done really well. I was really impressed with him at right wing back as well. Um, it was it was it was a game that I think we had to. I mean, I would have been surprised if we didn't come away with three points. And as the game went on, I mean, like you said, you know, Ben Chilwell, Wesley Fofana were being given shit from from the Leicester fans throughout that game. And I think you know Chilwell was well within his rights to um to to, to go over to the fans and and cop his ears and you know shut them up a little bit. And he took his goal really well. If you if you think about the goal itself and the fact that. Um, you know, the ball comes in. I can't remember who, who lost the ball over um, from that side. Was it Kulabali? Mm. And it almost, you. I think uh, Ward almost thinks Chilwell's going to try and pull that back into the box as opposed to shoot. Um, to get beaten at his near post, he wasn't really set up to save the goal. Um, but it was still a brilliant, I mean, the technique from Chilwell to do that still good and I was really impressed with him and it's something we have missed this season with with him but overall you know you look at Fernand, um, Enzo Fernandez, you look at Mudrick and and the the one thing that I've been crying out for especially since Potter took over in September was it he took over um was was consistency you know a bit of consistency a bit of um togetherness about this squad and we we saw that we got to see it against Leicester it was such a brilliant performance and um you know, even with some of the players that you know, have been out, you know, Sterling um, didn't play in that game. Mason Mount hasn't featured in that game as well um, in, in terms of starting the game. So I, I was really impressed um, with, with the goals, you know, even Kovacic getting on. I mean, Kovacic's goal is not easy. It's not an easy goal to score um, sort of on the half volley the way that he did. Um, and he doesn't score easy goals. You know, you look at some of the goals that he scored for Chelsea, they're all quite special and unique. So um, I was impressed with just overall performance. I was, I was impressed with the subs from from um, Graham Potter. I thought he got them right, the right time in terms of the subs. Uh, I think Carney Chukomeka came on, Conor Gallagher, um, Badia Shield, Trevor Chalabar and Christian Pulisic. They were all, they all made sense 
um, in terms of seeing the game out, shutting off the space down the wide sides for uh, for Leicester. It just made complete complete sense, and I feel like he's slowly, Graham Potter's slowly getting um, this team working the way he wants them to work and getting the team to gel together. It was going to take time; it is still taking time, but you can see slowly there's bits. I mean, like you said, the pass from Fernandez to to Kai Havertz was. I mean, if that if that was, I don't know, Neymar and Messi, you know, it probably would have been plastered across the the internet the whole weekend, but. We are sort of seeing the qualities that Enzo can have, especially when you're playing, he's playing slightly forward. I know there was times where he got a bit more forward into those roles and that space in front of, uh, sorry, behind Kai Havertz. He can he can produce those sort of passes. And I think we have to we have to utilise that a bit more. So I was really impressed. I was impressed with start to end, subs, Potter, team, um, you know, shut the, the, the fans up at Leicester because I think they were, you know, they were really giving Fafana more so stick as well. Um, Andre Mariner, Absolute idiot. I, I can't, I don't know how. And the worst thing was, I think he was the VAR for the United game as well. So he was the, in, it was obviously Anthony Taylor, our best friend as well, referee in the game for United and Andre Mariner was in the VAR. He shouldn't be in that game of, against United because he got two massive errors um, in the Leicester game. How on earth you can't, I mean, Jao Felix is definitely a red card. Uh, you know, the ha- Havertz lifts up his shirt. You can see the mark that has been left. It's almost an assault. It's, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic or anything. I know it's Friday. We want to enjoy our weekends, but it's, it's, it's um, you know, if I walk down the street and, you know, I'm doing a school run in a couple of hours and I fly kick someone in the stomach, I mean, I'm sure someone's going to try and call the police on me. So I'm just confused as to how you can do it on the football pitch and not even get a red card. It's, it's bizarre. I don't get it. So like you say, three points is the main thing. Unfortunate not to get a clean sheet. I think Kepa again was outstanding throughout that game. Uh, really good performance from him. So I was a bit a bit disappointed that we didn't, didn't get a clean sheet. You know, triple clean sheets would have been nice, but we're slowly making progress, which is the main thing. Um, you know, I think yeah. we have to be happy about that. Yeah, big Kepa save. I forgot to mention that. I think it was from Madison. Um, after they they picked up a bit of, a bit of momentum after their goal. Um, Leicester did have their chances though. Let's not deny it. I mm. think it was um, Gallagher clearing it off the line in the second half. Yep. Uh, Drewsbury Hall at one point scuffing a shot. So they did have their chances. So it's not all in all perfect. I think there's still points that Chelsea could improve on defensively. But like you said, maybe without that kind of um, solid um, presence of Thiago Silva, we'll take it 3-1 away to Leicester. Um, yep. Some big Kepa saves and um, look like every time we were going up the pitch, we looked dangerous on the counter. We looked dangerous. We looked like we were going to score. Score Madrid as well. I thought was really good. Unlucky for his goal to be flagged offside. Um, yeah, Joe Felix yep. maybe at fault for the Chelsea goal, but overall I thought he was brilliant and he, looked, he likes to take on players as well. Just don't do that around the Chelsea penalty box. That's the one thing I'd ask. Um, <laughs> you don't have the so, time yeah. and space. No, no. That's what I tell my players on five aside. Do your dribbles, but not in front of the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> That's just to save you though, isn't it? To be fair. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Kepa, I'm sure Kepa tells his players the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he does. I think you mentioned it on the last episode. He's a lot more vocal now, you know, in terms of the goal, being a goalkeeper and being vocal um, to his defenders, to the outfield players as well. So I think we, we'll see a lot more of that. But um, let, let's talk about the Champions League draw that took place this morning, 11 a.m., I, I'm gutted I missed it because I really I love watching the draw but um, Real Madrid over two legs we've been here before deja vu it's happening all over again um, Could have it could have been a nicer draw we could have got a nicer you know a Benfica a Porto um, but we didn't we got Real Madrid who are in very scintillating form 
um, at the moment. But what's your thoughts on the draw? What's your thoughts on Real Madrid? Um, I don't know if you got to see what they did to Liverpool over two legs, but they are a scary um, team to play. So what's your thoughts on on, on the draw? I mean, football is a funny one. You don't play a team for over 20 years or so. I think it was since the Cup Winners' Cup, I think in the late 90s, yep. 23 years, 98. And now we've played Real Madrid three seasons in a row, semi-finals of 2021, quarter-finals last season and quarter-finals again this season. Um, it's a tricky fixture. Like you said, it could have been a the draw could have been more in our favour. We could have maybe drawn one of the Milan clubs or um, or Benfica. Um, but no, we're playing Real Madrid. Um, I think it could have been harder than Madrid. It could have been Bayern, Napoli or City, which in my opinion would have been harder. Mm. But um, like you said, Madrid looked very good against Liverpool, especially in that first leg. They just took their chances. They were clinical. They were ruthless. They scored five at Anfield. And then that same Liverpool squad um, beat United nine, uh, 7-0. So it's, um, it goes to show how good Madrid were on the day, I suppose, and how clinical and ruthless. Um, I'm expecting tough game. Really, really two tough fixtures. Um, you know, we know that Madrid team, they've got, there's midfield maestros in, in Cruz and Modric. Modric, I think, is 37, 38 now, but he's still playing like he's in his prime in his late 20s. Um, Valverde as well, very exciting player for them. Um, and they've got our good friends, Hazard, Courtois, but especially Tony Rudiger, who I really think looks solid at defence and was a big loss for us in the summer. Um, yeah, I'm expecting very two very tough games. Um, I think it's the away leg first at the Santiago, Santiago Bernabeu on, um, I think, yeah. the, the 11th or the 12th of April. I'm not sure yet yeah. if you know the exact dates. We've but, got them, um, yeah. We've got them. Is it, is it a Tuesday or the Wednesday? Yeah, so we're on the Wednesday and then our return leg is Tuesday the 18th. Mm, it would have been nice maybe to combine a trip to Madrid <laughs> with the Easter, Easter Monday bank holiday. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, use some annual leave now. <laughs> exactly. Maybe if I get a ticket, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it will be um, it will be a nice. I mean, it will be a difficult game. But I think we we've got what we need in a squad to match Madrid's level. I'm really I'm really confident we can, especially if we play like the level we've shown against Borussia Dortmund. And one thing I'd like to put point out of this Chelsea side and our mentality is: you look at Tottenham against AC Milan, they needed a goal, they didn't get it. You look at Liverpool at the Bernabeu, they needed three goals, they didn't get a single one. We looked at Chelsea against Dortmund. We needed two goals and we got the job done and we got the two goals. So I think it shows that difference in mentality of the players, the way the team is set up to actually, you know, mount that comeback. Um, and all we have to do is look at the Chelsea team last season. Sure, we were managed by Thomas Tuchel, but we trailed 3-1 after the first leg and we took the game to extra time in the second leg and we 3-1 um, mount uh, Rudiger and Timo Werner getting the goals. So I think it'll be a really interesting game. I think what's even more interesting is our potential opponents in the semis. Should we get past Real Madrid? Um, this is when it gets very, very tricky and interesting. Obviously, Bayern Munich or Man City in the potential semi-final, which lined up for us. Um, so like I said, the draw could have been a lot kinder to us, but we'll take it and you've got to beat the best to, you know, to win the Champions League, in my opinion. You can only play what's in front of you. So yeah, really tricky game. I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely make the home leg if, but and I'll try to make the away trip to Madrid if I can. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's... Um, I, I always think with the Champions League and any knockout football, you know, it's who wants it more. Who, who wants to... Who, who's willing to, to leave everything out there on, on the night or over the two legs? And... We've, I mean, we've, we've always had tricky runs when we've, um, 
or run-ins to the to the final when we've gone on to win the Champions League. We've always never had it easy. You know, you think back to the first time with John Terry being sent off and that, that night in Barcelona. Um, you think back to us being the underdogs and even going back at Atletico, that 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 um, game that we had to play when we won it in, um, in Porto as well. So we've always never really had an easy um, run-in you know, so to speak, whatever that is, interpret that how you want. But I think, you know, for me, I think this is, I agree with you, you know, like for like, you look at some of the players, obviously Vinicius Junior is a, a key player for Real Madrid, Benzema as well, like you said, you know, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric and Antonio Rudiger. Um, they've got, I mean, they've got players, but so have we. I mean, we're not, we're not Chesterfield FC, you know, we, we, we've got a really good squad. Um, and we've got players that can come in who, who are experienced to an extent at this level, you know, playing in finals, playing in big games. Um, and, and I think we can do it. I mean, I'm not worried. I would, I'd be more worried if we were playing Bayern. Um, I can't remember if they were on our, I don't comment if they were on our list as potentials, but I think they were. Um, so I'd be more worried to play them in the quarters than in the semis. Um, but it's who wants it on the night. You know, you, like you said, we've got a really good squad. Um, it is going to be difficult. I, I, I think I'd rather have liked the home leg first as opposed to going back. But, you know, they have, I mean, I watched them over two legs against uh, Liverpool. And I think had Liverpool been playing the football that they had been under Jurgen Klopp, you know, two or three seasons ago, I think they would have won and beaten Real Madrid over those two legs. I just don't think they have that midfield to be able to cope with that. But we do. We have Reese James, who's there now. We've got Sterling. Hopefully we'll have Angolo Kante back at that point as well. Um, Kepa's in the, in his finest form at the moment. We've got Enzo Fernandez now in midfield, Mudrick. We've got a luxury going forward, Mudrick, Sterling, Havertz, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher. Um, Silver you know, might be fit say, again, Mamiang. hopefully. Silver will be will, will be fit. So, you know, there's so many options for, for Graham Potter to choose from. Um, I mean, you did obviously flag up a big concern around the games that we have amongst the two legs, um, which I'm going to pull up now. And... I look at that that fixture list and I do think, you know, um, he says when he hasn't actually got it here. Um, oh, here it is. So we've got, obviously, here's one I made earlier. So uh, got less, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Wolves. We then play Real Madrid away. Uh, we've got Brighton. Then we play Real Madrid at home. Then we've got United after that, which is a massive game. Brentford and then Arsenal. So... So nine games in April, it's congested again, like last season, massive, massive games coming up, not just in terms of the Premier League, but you look at those games in and around the, the Real Madrid fixtures, you know, Liverpool, then Wolves, um, before we go to, to, to Spain. Um, you look at Brighton, how they, they how they dealt with us at, at the Amex, <laughs> you know, you don't want Graham Potter to see another 4-0 or 4-1 defeat. Um, then Real Madrid and then after that United. So there's going to have to be a lot of rotation, I think, in April. Um, we're going to need a fully fit squad. I'm going to have to heavily rely on the players that are qualified to to play in the Champions League to to do a job. Um, but I'm confident. I'm confident. I can't I can't go into a knockout tournament and say that we're we're the underdogs or we're going to lose. I, I just can't do that. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And just a little stat here for you as well. We've only lost one in our seven games against Real Madrid in European competitions. That defeat came um, 2000. And 21-2022 quarterfinal where we lost 3-1. So we have not got the shabbiest of records against Real Madrid. I mean, they are there to, for the taking, like any team in knockout football. So we have to be confident. And I think over the two legs, what worries me more if, if we get through, I can see Bayern Munich doing Man City. <laughs> um, 
So I think if we if we can get into the semis, I think that will be the most difficult game um, of our season. So, uh, you know, over the last couple of seasons, Bayern Munich because they're a really good team. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Like you said, our record against Madrid is very good. One one defeat out of seven games we played against them, and I think that's the lowest um, loss percentage of a team um, that's played more than seven games against um, Madrid in the in European competition. So they really do struggle against us, but I can just echo what you said. Um, it's going to be a tough April, very congested um, fixture list, bright and in between those two Madrid fixtures for me is going to be so important because you kind of think maybe ourselves with Brighton at that point in time, will be fighting for top six, hopefully. Um, and yep. it's going to be almost going to feel like a must win. So having a fully fit squad in April is going to be so important. Rotation as well. Um, we see now that Cucurella can do the job in the back three. Hopefully Silva will be fit again. Fafana's playing really well. Kante will be back as well. Hopefully he can stay fit. Um, Madrid's finding some form as well. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting April. It's going to be similar to the April we had last year with those um, Madrid quarterfinals as well. And uh, I think we even had FA Cup fixtures this time last year as well. Um but yeah, it's going to be a question of who wants it more in the night. Graham Potter's game plan needs to be on point. It needs to be exactly like um, the one he executed against Borussia Dortmund um, last week in the Champions League quarterfinals, um, round of 16, sorry. Um, but yeah, very interesting uh, uh, fixture. And um, I do kind of think um, if we do get past Madrid and somehow we play whoever it is, City or Bayern, the winner of that semi-final is going to win the Champions League for me. I know that Napoli on the other side mm. of the draw are, you know, in the form of their life, but just that momentum that can carry you past, whether it be Chelsea, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, um, Man City, the quality in those four squads is just ridiculous. And I think it will just be too much for Napoli or one of the Milan clubs or Benfica in the final. I'd have to agree. Another, another stat as well. I think this is the first time Napoli have got this far in the Champions League. Um, and I think, I can't remember the last time there was three Italian teams this far into the tournament either. I think this is... Yeah. It's probably I think early 2000s, I think. Because um, I think it was an all-Italian final, I think 2003, yeah, between yeah. Milan and Juventus. I'm sure it would have been that season. Yeah. And I think there was a yeah. inter-AC inter final um, late 2000s as well. Um, so yeah, good. I mean, good to see that Serie A clubs are doing well. But um, given that all three of them are on one side of the draw, you won't get an all-Italian final this year. No, no, I agree. I agree. Um, sticking with European football to an extent, we're expanding out to the world now. There are plans, I think, early this week to change the format of the um, Club World Cup to allow 32 teams as opposed to, I think it's got, is it currently seven? 17 tournament, I think, at the moment. So there, there's plans which were in place before COVID hit. So these plans have not just been rustled up in someone's office over the last four to six weeks. This has been something I think in the making for, for some time, but obviously COVID has delayed that. So there's plans now, I think that was, should have been introduced 2021. They're trying to implement it for 2025 um, to allow for 32 places to be included into the club world cup. So theoretically based on those assumptions, I think um, it would allow um, 12 teams from Europe, six from South America, four from Asia, four from Africa, four from North America, um, and you get the host nation and then Ocean Oceania as well. So one from there as well. So um, what's your thoughts on that? First of all, the format changing, um, does it seem more around money? Is that what we're doing? Sponsorships, more sponsorships, a new format, or is it just that it allows more people the opportunity to win the Club World Cup? 
Yeah, I think um, they're trying to make it more into a spectacle. That's for sure. The fact it's being played in June, July, which is that those typical World Cup, uh, international World Cups, um, summer months. Um, and we know now that every summer we either get the Euros, the World Cup, the Confederations Cup, and now it's going to be the Club World Cup. Yeah. So it's going to be a sporting competition every summer for the next four years. Um, 32 teams, that's a lot. That's a lot of teams. And you do wonder now if it's going to be the same kind of format as an actual World Cup with um, eight groups of four teams um, or if it it's is, kind yeah. of those... Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be more work for the players. You know, June, July, that's usually the type, the period where these these Premier League footballers go to their, their Ibifas, their Mykonos, their, their, um, <laughs> their South of Francis. And no, they're the, not going to be able to do the that. Mar-Bays. They're going to have to carry on. The Marbeas, exactly. Yeah. So they're going to have to carry on with the training. And... Um, for me, the fact you if you win the Champions League, you qualify for this. It's quite prestigious. And it's the UEFA Champions League winners from 2021, 22, 23 and 24. So Chelsea automatically qualify. So we'll be seeing Chelsea in this Club World Cup format in June 2025, which is good, I think. Um, it's probably what Bowley wants to see. Uh, Bowley probably wants to have this Chelsea team yep. compete in every tournament. And from a revenue perspective as well, we're not going to be in Champions League next season. I doubt we will. Um, so if this is going to be a form of revenue, television rights as well. It's brilliant as well, because if I'm honest, I know we were all into that Club World Cup last last um, February oh, yeah, in Abu Dhabi. But that's only because our team was in it. I was speaking to all my other mates and they were like, I don't watch it. I mean, they're, they're mainly Arsenal fans. So I don't. I completely understand why they wouldn't watch any European or international <laughs> club tournaments. But um, but yeah, it just seems like that one that if your team's in it, you really root for them, but you won't really watch it. Like, I don't think I bothered watching the Madrid, um, I forgot who they played this season, uh, Atletico Minero or something like that final this year. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to be more, it's going to attract more viewers, which means more money. Um, it's going to be interesting, but like I said, if it means if you want to think of the welfare of the players, you do need to be careful because you do need to give these players a bit of a break. And if it finishes, wraps up around July time, that means that preseason will be pushed back for these players by another month or so mm. to give them time to recover, which probably means they only get back to training early August. And early August is usually when you have your first Premier League fixture. So we do have to consider that as well. So it's going to be uh, quite tiring for the players, but from a fan point of view, it's more football to watch in the summer, especially. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm still on the fence. I think you know. I agree with a lot. What a lot of what you said. I think for me, it's more. Do we need to expand it? I mean, I like to sometimes don't change things if it doesn't need changing. And I think this is more maybe like you said, you know, to make it more of a spectacular, to make it more of a mini World Cup. But on the on the second side as well, it's just a trial for how a, a Super League potentially could be run. Um, obviously, not with the teams that are involved, but is this something that they could? Tra- are they trialing this for a Super League? format of some sort but um look i mean when your team i mean i'm moaning about it now but if we were to when we eventually are in it um in 2025 i want us to win it so you know i think it's more football like you said it's it's something um you know fans can look forward to and it might actually draw more people into watching it i mean like you said you know unless your team's in it you don't really have an invested interest into it so i think for me you know um it's a 50 50 you know i think it's more about fifa trying to generate as much money as possible um and like you said you know get more people into stadiums or watching as viewers on tv rights etc but i also think as well i like the format as it is because you know you only get into that tournament if you win the the champions league and i know all the the teams that will be involved have done that but 
you, you know, it's such a, it's such a, 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 almost like the pinnacle of your season. You know, if you can win that, you, you, you are the world champions. It's like something that's to see 32 teams and it would be a bit odd for me, um, maybe for the first one. Um, and I, I need to read up how that would work going forward as well. So is it just a cons- a constant role in things. So for instance, in 20, is it, is it a, a yearly thing still? So if it is, how do, I need to understand the format a bit more, I think, because how would it work in say two years time? You know, do you just, who, who qualifies for it in two years time? Is it still like a rolling thing where, you know, whoever was in 2021 drops off and it's 22, 23, 24, and 25, or I don't know. So I need to read up about it properly, but from what I have read, it does sound like a good thing. A lot more teams involved, a lot more money, I used to get more people watching it. So you know, if, I, if we're in it, I need us to win it. Um, if we're not in it, then you know, I'm just there as a spectator. But um, something to, to keep an eye on, see how that pans out. But let's keep it more international, more worldwide, because the international squads uh, were announced yesterday, or I think most of them were announced yesterday. But um, massive call-up for Wesley Fofana, his first cap for France, a um, couple of additions for England in terms of Conor Gallagher, Mason Mount, Rhys James. Um, I think Raheem Sterling's missed out due to injury. Um, and I think you said Madweki has been called up to the England under-21 squad. So a couple of good good additions there. But I want to start on Fafana, who I think, well within his right, deserves um, his call-up. But what's your thoughts on Fafana being called up to um, the France national team? Yeah, really deserved. Um, he's been fantastic since his return from that injury. And then the second injury he picked up in that behind closed doors friendly with Brentford in the, during the winter break. Yeah. Um, so I think it's completely deserved. And you look now at, I think it was Rafael Varanza retired from international football uh, recently. So that leaves a bit of a void in the Didier Deschamps French team. And I think Fafana is the perfect player to, um, to fill that void. Um, so I think that's completely deserved. I'm always surprised that he was never called up earlier, if I'm honest, because when he was had that kind of run of form with Leicester, you maybe would have thought he would have got picked for those um, Nations League qualifiers or games, those friendlies that probably France had before the World Cup. I know that he struggled with fitness and injury as well, but I think that's brilliant for him. Um, and he's really kind of stepped up now recently, so I'm really pleased for him. In regards to the other players you've mentioned, I've just seen now um, Mason Mount is actually not fit to play against Everton okay. tomorrow. And okay. he's actually pulled out the England squad, I think. Um, so he won't play a part in any of the matches um, that England have. I think it's against Italy and Ukraine. And then another call-up, which I've just seen, is Kepa being called back to the Spain squad, um, which, again, I think is really deserved because um, I don't think Spain really have a fixed goalkeeper at the moment. We know that, um, I don't think it's Luis Enrique anymore, their manager, but they, they haven't really favoured De Gea. I think Unai Simon, yeah. who's their number one, hasn't featured for Athletic Bilbao with injury recently. So that leaves them maybe with... Um, David Rea, Kepper, and I think their third the other option is um, Robert Sanchez from Brighton. So I think with Kepa's form recently, and especially having wear the armband when Kova's gone off, um, gone off um, as a sub, goes to show that he's the yeah. perfect player to to fill in now. So I'm really hoping he gets some minutes with Spain, and good for his confidence as well. Not that he needs it at the moment, but really good. Um, but yeah, I think really um, deserve call ups for Kepa uh, and um, and for Fana for those England ones you mentioned. Um, I'm pleased with all those players. Uh, obviously, Sterling misses out of injury, but I do really hope Rhys James doesn't get played too much and we kind of manage his, Southgate manages his minutes correctly because obviously he didn't feature against um, against Leicester last Leicester. Saturday. Yep. So yeah, it's going to be a tricky one and these aren't really the type of games you want to risk Rhys James for 90 minutes. Um, so I'm really hoping Potter maybe has a word of Southgate to manage his minutes. Um, and the other two players, Gallagher and Chilwell, 
again, Chilwell for me is really deserved. Gallagher's maybe struggled with minutes, but we know that um, Southgate has his friend, his favourites. All you have to do is look at Phillips and Maguire being called up, having hardly kicked the ball this season. <laughs> and it, it says a lot. So, um, so yeah, Southgate's clearly got his favourites and he's probably wanted to stick with that core group of players he had at the World Cup. So that explains the Gallagher call-up as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I was—I'll be honest—I was a bit shocked when when I saw Conor Gallagher's name because he hasn't really played that much football, neither has uh, Calvin Phillips as well. Um, so I, I do, I do, I, I'm going to be selfish, and I, I don't really want to see Chelsea players playing international football at the moment. I mean, you know, we, we there's the whole the whole thing with Angolo Kante whenever he went on international duty, you know, he'd always get injured, and I don't want Reese James to be the new Angolo Kante when he goes abroad and he you know picks up injuries for England. Um, I still think. He, he has been rushed back. I think Reece James isn't fully fit still. I think he's obviously clearly not if he's injured for, for Leicester. But I think, you know, overall, I don't think he's, his fitness levels are where they need to be. So, you know, the old days, you know, some of the managers would make a phone call to the, the England gaffer and say, look, just make him withdraw. And I know Liverpool have definitely done that with, with Trent a few times or some of the other players that they've had. And you do wonder sometimes, you know, can Potter not just make the quick call to Gareth and say, look, you know, take, take Carl Walker or to, you know, to take, take Trent. Oh, cause I think Trent's missed out. I think Trent's missed out on the, on the, you know, rightfully so. I think he shouldn't be in there, but you know, I'd love to see him go just so that we can wrap Reese James in cotton wool and just maybe give him some light training to do um, over that period. But, you know, Kepa, I agree with, I think really good, really good call it for him. I think, you know, I don't really watch much Spanish football anymore. And obviously the hair I do and, um, but national team, I don't, um, but I, I think Kepa is a really good goalkeeper for us. He's been really solid this season and, and deserves to, to be playing if he's going to be, you know, the number one for Spain at the moment. So, um, and, and Wesley Fofana, you know, I think it makes sense now, like you said, with Varane retiring from from international, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a gap to fill. And I think Fofana providing as well that he can, he can get through these two games, I think it is for international, uh, on international duty, he can get through them without any injuries because I think it'd be a shame to lose him, you know, again, to, to an injury. Um, you know, we want to try and get our squad back from these international breaks in full, you know, no injuries, full fitness and crack on with the, the busy April that we've just spoken about. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a weird time to have, I, I always think it's a weird time to have international football, you know, this sort of last hurdle of the Premier League and, you know, European competitions. I still think it's so weird. Let's just play them in the summer. Let's just get them all. Let's just do a mini, forget the Club World Cup going to 32 teams. Let's just do an international qualifying tournament and get all the qualifiers out of the way, mini tournament and get it done in two weeks. Um, I, I just think, you know, to lose someone key, Reese James, Kepa, um, you know, I think Thiago Silva and Aspia haven't been called up today to their squads. I think they're still out as well um, for, for tomorrow's game. So, you know, I think it shows there's a lot of football to be played and, and has been played. And, you know, you don't want to lose anyone who's key um, at this point in the season. But congratulations to all of them. Obviously, Madweki as well being called up to the under-21 squad. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's other, other players that we haven't mentioned that have probably been called up to their respective um, nations as well. So, you know, hopefully everyone comes back fully fit from that. But... Mendy, we talk about injuries. Let's talk about Mendy coming back. Um, I think I didn't realize it was it four. It's been out the, the out for four months. Is that right? Did I read that right yesterday morning? I think so. Yeah, I think he fractured his finger early January time. Um, so he hasn't featured for a good three months now. And I think his last game yeah, for Chelsea wow. would have been would it have been uh, before the World Cup? Yeah, those fixtures before yeah, the yeah. World Cup. And so yeah, yeah, it's been a little while since we've seen Mendy, and I'm not going to lie. 
oh, we can't forget that he's, he's in the squad this season. Um, he's, I mean, it goes to show how good Kepa's been to keep him out, but also yeah, um, he struggled. Both keepers have struggled with injuries at times as well. So um, good yeah. to see him back in training, though. Um, like you mentioned, uh, big fixtures in, in, in April. Obviously, only two competitions to play for now in the Premier League and the Champions League, so you can't afford to rotate too much. You want maybe your best keeper to retain his spot and that best keeper needs to be good with his feet. Um, that's how Potter likes to play, play from the back and that should be Kepa, but there will definitely be more injuries and something we're seeing a lot more now in football is keepers getting injured. Um, doesn't, it used to be like your keeper be able to play five, six seasons in a row, but now we're seeing a lot more keepers getting injured. So um, good to have him back in training and also just for him as well. I'm sure he missed um, the kind of routine of waking up, going to training, having the ball in his hands, catching it. And when you have a broken finger, you can't do that. Um, so yeah, yeah, glad to have him yep. back. But um, I don't think that changes Potter's decision on who his starting keeper should be. Uh, you know, I think I think you're right. You know, I think Kepa, like I just said, has been really good this season. Um, and it was unfortunate for Mendes to get, to get the injury he did when he got it um, at that period in in, in um, back end of last year. You know, I think it gave Kepa that that chance to prove to Graham Potter, especially that he's you know the one that we should have in the, in in between the sticks. And like you said, you know, out of the two, Kepa or Mendy, you do feel a bit more comfortable when Kepa's got the ball at his feet as opposed to Mendy. And you know, he does have those brain fog moments. Mendy a lot. He did done that a lot last season. Um, I, 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 you know, I do question is, has he got a role to play at Chelsea? I know Slalina has been doing really well for the development squad lately as well. And I think he's someone that um, for the, for the fee, I think it was probably around 8 million overall that we've paid for him. I think he's one for the future and I think he looks really good. You know, I've watched him a few times for the, for the development squad and he's a good goalkeeper. Um, again, very good with his, distribution good with his feet as well so I think he's a good goalkeeper and I wouldn't be surprised if you know Mendy yes will see out the rest of this season potentially even be here you know the first part of next season but I do think he's if he doesn't you know come back and he's not able to you know force his way back beyond Kepa or there's an injury to Kepa or something happens to Kepa I do think he has to um, almost admit defeat that he will be you know classed as the number two goalkeeper um, at Chelsea regardless of the, the very good form that he had, um, Champions League and Club World Cup, you know, he has to now look at Kepa's form and, and appreciate it and, and just maybe sit down and, um, yeah, you know, it's good to see him back in training, but I just don't see where he fits into the squad at the moment with Kepa being so good. And like I say, Salina being really good in the development squad, I think he'll have a massive role to play next season. So it does look very glim. And, and dark for, for, for Mendy, unfortunately, at the moment in terms of how does he get back into the squad or does he even have a future at the club as well? Yeah, it's a good headache though, having two very good goalkeepers to oh, choose yeah, yeah. from because um, obviously injuries do happen and you don't want to be calling or having to rely on someone like, don't know, I don't know disrespect him, but Bettinelli, is he good enough to be our second choice um, <laughs> yep. in you know, these big games? Um, I think there's a Champions League game against Atletico Madrid where Petr Cech went off injured and we had to play Mark Schwarzer. Not that Mark Schwarzer is not a good goalkeeper, but I think um, the level of Chelsea now, you do want a very good goalkeeper you can rely on in uh, yep. in these big games. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's going to be tricky for Mendy. Um, he's got to accept the situation and maybe for him and his agent, assess the options in the summer as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And there'll be, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be clubs uh, coming in for him as well, mm -hmm. uh, I think 100%. So we'll have to see yeah. how that pans out. Um, something, something's just, so, before we talk about Everton, something's just popped up on my phone. Do you remember what oh, Hazard put up on Instagram when he left Chelsea? 
Oh man. I've got it here. I, I, I'll read I, I it out. I do and I don't. I do and I don't, but, yeah. but go for it. You put Chelsea fans will always be special to me. And next season, I will look for your results first. I hope that we are drawn against each other in the Champions League next season and every season so we can meet again. <laughs> oh, A yeah. visionary. He called it. He called it. He knew the script already. Three seasons in a row of meeting Eden Hazard again. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's unfortunate because I'm, I'm, I was speaking about Hazard um, just quickly. I was speaking about Hazard um, early this week because obviously he wants to see out his time at Real Madrid. I think he's settled there. His family's settled there. His, his son, I think, has just joined the Real Madrid youth team or the juniors. So I think he's really settled there. But it's just a shame that he doesn't really play as much football as he should be potentially still playing. And that's been down to injuries. And obviously Carlo Ancelotti has other ideas for, you know, likes of Vinicius Junior, uh, Rodrigo and other players that are playing there, Valverde, I think, plays on the right side as well. So um, it's a shame for him, but who knows? I mean, he might get a, a run out, he might get a, 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 an applause from the Stamford Bridge faithful um, on the return leg of the Champions League. But let, let's let's talk about Everton before we... Uh, before I need, before I need to do a, a Graham Potter and say beat Everton <laughs> in the, 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 the Champions League. But... Um, Everton's a tough team to play. I mean, home or away, Goodison or Stamford Bridge, they're always a difficult team to come up against. And Sean Dyche has clearly got them playing some better football than Frank Lampard had them playing. Or, you know, maybe it's the new manager bounce um, that you tend to get with with clubs when they swap owners, uh, swap managers. But this is a game I feel on paper and form, we should be able to easily win uh, at home. What's your thoughts going into the game tomorrow? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, given the form we're in at the moment, some, it, I expect us to win and it's a must win again. I don't like using that word, but it is. Um, Everton have picked up a bit of form with um, with Sean Dyche since he took over from Frank Lampard. I think wins against, um, very big wins for them against uh, Arsenal and Brentford as well last week. So they definitely got um, some quality in their squad to get these results. Um, I saw an interesting statistic speaking a lot about statistics today but last time we lost a fixture in March was against Everton in March 2019 so since March 2019 okay. in the month of March I think we've won every single one of our games actually um, so we're usually quite good in March um, but I'm not sure there was, a, there, was a, there was a there was a COVID there was a COVID year in there where we didn't play a lot of football but um but yeah, um, I think it's going to be a, an interesting game. I think um, Potter's got to stick with the formations that have worked for him recently. Um, yeah. We know that Mount, Sterling, um, they won't play a part tomorrow. Silver as well. Uh, Azpilicueta, I think, still not fully fit. Big decision to make with Angolo Kante. Um, obviously, he's been fit for the last few weeks, but uh, hasn't made a match day squad yet. I think this is the perfect game for him to come back in. Um, maybe get 15, 20 minutes off the bench because you do want him up and running for those um, Madrid fixtures in April. Um, he, we know what he's yeah. capable of doing in these Champions League um, you know, knockout games um, and maybe test out the midfield partnership with him and Enzo as well. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of formation, I kind of stick with um, with what's worked in the last few weeks. Uh, maybe bring Badia Shield back, uh, give Cucurella a bit of a rest or vice versa. Um, bring G- James back into the team if he's fit, but obviously have the option to maybe bring him off after 60 minutes or so and bring Loftus-Cheek at right wing back. Um, Kai Howitz as well. I think we've been very critical of him, but 
again, I think he's, he was very, very good against um, Leicester. His hold-up play was brilliant. Um, his aerial ability as well, you know what he's capable of doing there. Um, so I think he deserves to start with um, Felix and um, Madrid either side to him. Um, but yeah, um, I'm expecting a win. I think um, we we know how to score now as well, which seems to be a big problem. Um, so if we defend like we've done under Graham Potter and we find our shooting boots like we have in the last two or three weeks, then I think it's going to be a comfortable win. Yeah, um, I like the fact you use the word comfortable because I, I look at this on paper and I think this should be an easy three points and not just three points, but this is where you hit the 40 point barrier in the league. If we win on uh, tomorrow, we've got 40 points, which means we're actually safe from relegation technically. Um, so I can shut up about relegation talk after <laughs> after 7pm on a Saturday. Um, but no, I agree with you in terms of the lineup. I think, you know, some really good points. I think, you know, be be interesting if I think from what Graham Parsons said at his press conference um literally half an hour ago, you know, I think he does want to stick with that back three. Um, you know, he wants to to utilize the the wider areas of the pitch in terms of Reese James or if it's Ruben off the cheek and um Chilwell. Um interesting with Badia Shield, because I I do feel it was really harsh of him not to play against Leicester. I know he came on, but um Cooker had done a really good job there. Um really, really good job. So it'd be interesting and I I, I do think is this time to potentially rotate or stick with what has worked? Um, part of me saying yes to stick with what's worked and maybe you bring in a bad shield who's still relatively young. We have to remember, we still have to manage his minutes as well, um, you know, to make sure that he's not burnt out as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I would stick with the same lineup, bring back Reese James, obviously, um, in terms of the, the right right side of that wing back. But I, I think it's key. Like you said, I think again, part has just mentioned that in, you know, N'Golo Kante is in with a chance to to feature tomorrow and I think he will. I think you're right. I think he has to build up his match fitness before Real Madrid and that's only, uh, what's it, about three weeks, I think, maybe three or four weeks, just under four weeks away. So, you know, there's it's not really a lot of time and you think you've got an international break in between that as well. Um, and we really need N'Golo Kante back up and running. Pulisic, again, who came on against Leicester, I think he might feature with, with Sterling being out, but I'd stick with the, you know, Jao Felix, Havertz and Mudrik up front. I'd stick with the two of Kovacic and Fernandez, uh, Enzo Fernandez in the midfield and the same back line. Uh, personally, you know, harsh on Badia Shaw, but I think, you know, stick with what's worked, um, get that consistency going and then start trying to to flip and rotate the squad, slightly tinker with it that way. But I'm expecting three points. Um, the worry for me is obviously there's a lot of height in that defence for um, for Everton. You look at Michael Keane, you look at Connor Cody, uh, James Tarkovsky, Ben Godfrey, uh, Onana. So there's a lot of thinking about set pieces, um, free kicks. You do think, you know, maybe they might be able to um, cause us some damage. But I'm looking three points. You know, I think three points. And before we wrap up, as we do, predictions, scoreline. What are we going for? We've done one goal, two goals, three goals. Can we do four goals now? <laughs> Can we? Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I think Everton will score. I know we've been very solid mm. defensively at Stamford Bridge, but I think, like you mentioned, that height in that Everton squad might um, nick them a goal from set pieces. But I'm kind of hoping as well, if we just find our shooting boots and Enzo performs like he did against Leicester, then we've got three goals in the locker. So I'm going to go 3-1 again for Chelsea. I'm I'm gonna go two one. I'm gonna go two one. I agree with you. I think those, I think like I said, the set pieces will be a big thing for Everton. Um they obviously don't have a real clear striker. Um I think they'll be probably playing Damari Gray up front or Neil Mope. But I think two one, I think we'll be able to to 
literally control that game if we, we use the, the players in the right positions and go over back three as well. I think it'll be a, a good game for us. And obviously, like I said, it gets us that 40 points that we need to avoid relegation. So who knows? But baby steps. Yeah, baby steps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Beat Everton and win the fucking Champions League. Yeah. Give all the words to Graham Potter. So, I was going to have to say it at some point. I can't yeah. have it as a title and not say it. But um, no, I, I think, you know, we've got every right to, to feel confident off the back of the, the performances we've had over the last couple of weeks. So let us know your thoughts in the comments. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Um, and also make sure you, you hit that link tree link in the description. It takes you to all our social accounts, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, I think as well. I think we've set up a TikTok, although it's in its infancy. Um, so I think I'm sure I did it one night when I was bored. I haven't really got around to doing it properly yet, but we will get the TikTok up and running um, at some point as well. Yeah, bef before we wrap up, um, just want to quickly mention, I'm sure a lot of Chelsea fans are aware, but uh, a fan called Louis Palmieri uh, passed away um, a few weeks ago on the 7th of, um, on the 6th of March, actually, from a brain tumour. And there's going to be a nice round of applause for him in the 18th minute of um, tomorrow's game because he, he, he was 18. Um, and he actually followed our Instagram page. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give maybe tribute this episode to him and I uh, really hope yeah, there's a nice tribute for him at Stamford Bridge tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. And, and hopefully, uh, I didn't ask, but are you, are you going tomorrow as well? I am shat, yeah. sat in the shed upper once again, which is my favourite stuff at the moment. Shed upper. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll be there at the 18th minute. Like Theo said, if you're going, make sure, uh, you know, you, you, you show... Um, you know, your, your condolences, share, share your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, yeah, you know, so it's a sad time for, for any, anyone of any age, um, to lose their life in, in that way. So, um, it's never easy, but, um, yeah, anyone who's going, make sure you show your appreciation. 18th minute, I think you said, didn't you, Theo? So, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, definitely. Even, even if you're not going to the game, make sure you do it as well. 100%. Um, but until until next time, thank you very much for watching. This has been a episode 86 from The Shed End. Until next time, we'll be back next week with another one, hopefully three points to cheer on. Oh, we won't be back next week. We will, but we have something special for you guys next week uh, as there's no football. So thank you very much for watching. Until next time, stay safe, all of that stuff. Until next time, thanks for watching. <laughs>